0: Hello, folks. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> hello, folks. Can you hear me? Okay, great. Uh, we can go ahead and start a quick prayer. your um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Lord. We're thanking you for um, this wonderful day and this wonderful group of people um, who've come to share their Saturday with you, uh, to come to know you better um, and to love you better. Pray that you just open our hearts. Uh, to what you want to tell us today. Yes, in your intercession, our blessed mother we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed the art thou among women, and blessed is the, the Lord, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, and Mother of God, pray for us sinners, for and us sinners us now and in the hour, and the hour, and the hour right of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, okay. so we had two talks today. I learned this morning that uh, Father J.P. was giving the first one, so if I reference Dom's talk that you didn't hear, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, we the first talk is about kind of how we perceive what we want for our lives, our goals, and um, Francesca talked about um, kind of what God wants for our lives, and that journey to take us on. So my goal for this talk is to kind of give us some practicals on that and really dive into how we can... Beyond today, and really grow in our relationship with God. So, uh, Francesca t- touched on how kind of our main goal should be to get to heaven, right? So, that's really the point of our lives is uh, getting to heaven and being in communion with God. So, I think anytime you bring up heaven, everyone's kind of got a different uh, perspective on kind of that journey to get there and what what heaven's like. Um, I know, I grew up watching Happy Gilmore. There's some good depictions um, for some of the older folks, maybe uh, in their later 20s and 30s who uh, grew up watching Happy Gilmore. I don't know, parents probably shouldn't let me watch that, but um, I think in society there's kind of a, uh, you know, you, you have good you have good actions and you have bad actions. And uh, they're weighted, you know, you hold a door for someone, that's good, but it's like, but then you, like, kill a guy, and you're like, that's bad, and it's this big. Um, and uh, I think some people kind of have this perception that uh, God's kind of like a glorified accountant, adding up the good and the bad. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that's true, and I think we shall be grateful. I don't know if you've ever met an accountant. I'm an accountant, but talking to them kind of leaves a lot to be desired. So I think it's good that God's not just a glorified accountant. Uh, he's a good father. So, but... The way it works and the way that the church teaches is saying that heaven is ultimately communion with God. It's full communion with God. And the way to get to heaven is spending your life on earth, trying to be in communion with God here on earth. So if you get uh, to judgment and God says, well, you spent the majority of your life trying to do anything besides spending time with me, being in communion with me. He's not gonna you're not gonna go to heaven and spend eternity with him because you haven't spent your time on earth trying to be with him now. But if you spend your time, and oftentimes failing, if you're trying, like in any relationship, to be in communion with God, that is gonna be our eternal reward, is to spend eternity with God in heaven. So uh, the Olympics were the past couple weeks, don't know if you've heard. Um but it always amazes me hearing kind of the stories of these like random people that pop up. Um, in fact, we actually have a uh, Olympic swimmer on leadership team Braxton. Uh, so <laughs> so um, uh, it always amazes me these stories hearing about kind of the training regimens, you know, the 4 a.m. wake up calls Uh, You have virtually no other hobbies. You are doing your sport your entire life, um, all leading up to once every four or five, if there's a global pandemic, Um, (laughs) you know. Can't anticipate these things, as Francesca said. Um, You know, never eating pizza, never drinking beer, just the craziness that these athletes put their bodies through to be able to perform. I I could never do it. I, I like both of those things a great deal. And sleeping in. I am not a morning person. So I guess it's not really my thing. But, uh, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But just to see the hours that they clock training is crazy to me. I'm sure it's crazy to you all too. Or I hope it is. Or you're not going to be able to follow this point in the talk. But uh, nothing inherently wrong with that. In fact, a lot of the Olympians are pretty outspoken about their faith. How their faith in God has allowed them. Um, given them the strength. To continue on this journey. Um, and that's the story of hearing these Olympian stories of their training. It's kind of how the world tells us to operate our lives as well, in kind of a different parallel regard. But, you know, it's get good grades in high school, so you can get into a good college, so you can get a good job. Be miserable for 40 years. Maybe retire someday. I have a lot of thoughts about retirement for the millennial generation. I don't think it's going to happen, but you can talk to me about that after. Um, Social security is not looking good. Okay. But um, the world kind of tells us if you follow these steps, and you really have to sacrifice. You really have to put in the time, and then you'll get that reward. But when that's talked about what you need to do in regards to God or your faith life, it's a totally different narrative. It's. Um, if it's convenient, you can do it. Uh, if you have literally nothing going on, maybe you can go to Mass on Sunday. Um, pray when you need something. Uh, this, was a, this next one's a favorite in the Alford household growing up, but um, eating meat on Fridays during Lent because there's a nice steak on the menu or mom wants to make steak. <laughs> uh, so just really the whole convenience factor of it. St. Paul talks about running the race um, in 1 Corinthians. He goes, do you not know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So you run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So if our goal is to get to heaven, why are we putting everything else and the primary resistance in our lives, and God in the back burner, right? So how can we kind of change our mindset to saying, no, I need to put God first in my life, and have everything else kind of flow from that? And that really gets into one of the beautiful things about Catholicism. I know we have some Protestants in the crowd. Anybody? Any Protestants? Okay. Okay. Yeah? We got a couple? All right. Cool. Well, Welcome um faith and works uh, welcome and now this is this a controversial topic <laughs> our our faith should produce works or else it is not true faith. St. James talks about um, in his letter in the New Testament that if we truly have faith, it should influence every part of our lives and everything that we do and what we prioritize um, and what we live our lives to be. So we're talking about getting to heaven. We're talking about having a good relationship with God. Um, I was thinking about attributes of good relationships. I think about holy marriages of people that I know, um, good uh, friendships that I have. And I was trying to think of what, what are some good attributes of a relationship, not even just with God, but just speaking generally about with other people. First one I thought of was uh, good communication. And I think that's a pretty well-known hallmark of a good relationship. But I was thinking about that in regards to my relationship with God is how often do I communicate? Also known as prayer um, for those morning at home. And do I really make that a priority? Another good attribute of, of an attribute of a good relationship, trust, honesty, loyalty, and sacrificial. So if I were to look at those and say, what do I have those in my relationship with God or how can I make those grow? So uh, I think good communication and honesty kind of go hand in hand uh, in prayer, being honest with God. I know Francesca talked about that uh, and saying, I don't want this, what you want for me. I want to do my own thing. Then having that trust that he loves you, that he can do what's best for you. Being loyal to him, because he is always loyal to us, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And willing to sacrifice. A lot of people uh, talk about the uh, love languages, the five love languages. Um, if you're a guy and you don't know what they are, and you're dating or married, you should probably learn, because you're. <laughs> Your significant other knows about them. <laughs> uh, so, the five love languages are uh, quality time, acts of service, gifts, uh, physical touch, and words of affirmation. People always say, "Katie, what's, uh, what's your love language?" It's acts of service, by the way. I want to show some love. <laughs> Uh, and I always say it's acts of service Because although I'm sure God demonstrates all five of those And you're in like physical touch The Eucharist Yeah, that's cool um, Acts of service Like Jesus dying on the cross The ultimate sacrifice we call it But it's the ultimate act of service And if you can do that You can imitate Jesus in that way towards me You'd be a pretty happy camper So, So we're talking about prayer How to communicate in a good way so there's, there's, there's two kind of main kinds of prayer. I'm sure there's more. I'm only going to talk about it Uh So the first one I want to talk about is this thing called Ora et Labora. Any uh, Latin scholars in the crowd know what that means? Yes. Prayer and work. Prayer and work. Yes. Very good. It's going to be awkward if you got it wrong. You stepped up to the plate. Um, it's called prayer and work. So that was kind of made famous by uh, St. Benedict. And... Um, the whole Benedictine order of uh, monks, that's kind of their whole motto, saying, hey, you know, you're sweeping the floor. Let's pray. Let's pray while you're doing that. While you're working, invite God into what you're doing, even the most mundane tasks. So that's something I've really tried to envelop. It was, a first, it was first a topic i was introduced to. I worked at a summer camp up in Wisconsin. Uh, it was an amazing summer. And every morning we'd have, or at Labora time, and it was basically just like fancy name for chore time. Um, we were all like, yeah, we're labora the Bora. And everyone was like, no, go do all this stuff. Um, so, you know, you'd be like edging the grass or spreading mulch or cooking. They never put me on kitchen duty. <laughs> I'm not a very good cook. Uh, I somehow managed to get the whole summer. But anyway, you, uh, so when you're working, it's really invite God into that. And uh, when I was up in Wisconsin, it's beautiful. We were out on the lake. I don't know if y'all are aware. There are places in the United States that do not have humidity. And it is awesome. <laughs> i lived basically my whole life in Texas, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. And this one summer I spent in Wisconsin, I was like, this is great. Uh, nobody told me about this. But uh, it was really easy there to see God in the beauty of this kind of created world. Nowadays, I uh, spend the majority of my day uh, working on my laptop. And it's a lot less beautiful, to be honest with you. <laughs> Is it as beautiful as the Excel spreadsheets that I make? It's, um, it's not quite the same. So I was talking to Father JP about this, and I was like, "Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's not, it's not as easy as it once was." He goes, "You, uh, he he knows me, and he knows I always have commentary on uh, what's going on around me. If you've been around me for any period of time, you've heard my commentary. Why don't you try inserting the word Lord time you're saying something?" So you're like wow, we've been working from home for 18 months and this guy still doesn't know how to unmute himself on Zoom. Lord. And this really brings God into it and being like, really? Okay. Right. So I really encourage y'all to try and bring the Lord even into the most uh, mundane and even exciting things in your life. And it really starts to change when it's, you don't feel like you're alone, like God's always with you, which he is. We just don't often acknowledge him. So the other kind of type of prayer is what I would call, you know, dedicated, distraction-free prayer time. Um, and uh, a beautiful example of this is in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane before, on Holy Thursday night, right? So quick little timeline of uh, Good Fr- Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then Easter. So Holy Thursday, Last Supper, Jesus gives us the Eucharist. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And then he's, uh, he's a little, he knows what's coming around the bed, right? So he goes out to his favorite garden to pray, the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes, Lord, let this cup pass for me. He's talking to the Father. Let this cup pass for me, but not as I will, but as you will. And it's just so beautiful. Oftentimes, we can imitate that in prayer because God is asking us to do something, and we don't want to do it. But it goes back to having that trust and that loyalty that not only we should have for God, but God has for us. So I really encourage you to turn off your phone, go find a quiet place, and really allow God that time to really share your heart with him. So I mentioned uh, a second ago, um, Holy Thursday. It was a big day. Um, Big day in the history of the world slash church. Um Jesus, so if you 're not familiar with what the Eucharist is, um, I went to Catholic school for twelve years, and uh, I never really got a straight definition on this um, so i 'm going to try and, and and be explicit here with explaining this. so at the beginning of mass there 's bread and there 's wine, and then in the middle of mass, it becomes body and blood of Jesus, super weird, right. Like, that is bread and wine that you can just go buy at the store. If you need a good wine store place, I know a few. Um, and G- just as Jesus did in the Last Supper, he goes, I don't, I don't just want to give you a symbol of me. I want to actually give you myself. So when we're going to go to Mass later, Father J.P. is going to hold the egress and go, this is my body given for you. This is my blood, blood of the new covenant given up for you. Do this from remembrance of me. Jesus wants us to look at him giving us his body, which he gave to us on the cross, and then gives to us daily in the Eucharist and said, this is my body, given up for you, Lord. In the same way that he gives us himself, he wants us to give ourselves to him. So there's a lot of great saint stories Um, Saints who had a great devotion to the Eucharist Um, One that always kind of stuck out to me Is uh, Mother Teresa Saint Teresa of Calcutta I think she's a fairly I think we like her because she's a fairly modern saint I think some of the older folks here would have been alive Remember her time on earth Uh, She died about the year after I was born But it is kind of refreshing to hear somebody who We have, you know, legit photographs of Not, you know, grainy stuff um, that we can relate to. So uh, if you're not familiar with Mother Teresa, she started a religious order of sisters and then a priest, had somebody start one a priest to serve them. And basically their mission was to serve the poorest of the poor in India. And they would literally be pulling people off the streets, fixing their sores, who were literally on the brink of death. Saving them and caring for them, the rest of the world and just dismissed. Very important work, obviously. Jesus gives us the corporal works of mercy and tells us, "Hey, feed the hungry, give drink of the thirsty, you know, clothe the naked." It's an important one. Um, and um, a lot of people would ask her, and they go, oh, "How do you, how do you continue to do this like grueling, not only physically but mentally and emotionally grueling work every day?" And she would often talk about her dependence on the Eucharist and that time in adoration. Talking about spending quiet time with the Lord is amazing. But doing it in front of the Eucharist, which we're going to have a chance to do in adoration right after this talk. That was so much her strength. Oftentimes, there would be some kind of event which would increase their workload. Uh, there would be more sick people, more homeless people who needed help. And and somebody would say, hey, you know, why don't we, why don't we cut out some of this prayer time we've set aside and we can do more work? And she would go, no. If we need to increase the work that we are going to do, we need to increase the amount of time we are praying. So you're saying... You want to take 30 minutes of our prayer time So that we can spend 30 more minutes Out on the streets No, we're going to extend prayer time 30 minutes We need that strength um, The One of the priests Who was very close to Mother Teresa Who kind of helped her um, Start the order of priests um, He would often talk about Mother Teresa was kind of an iconic figure There were Thousands of people who would write letters to her. There was always somebody in who needed her help, who wanted to talk to her, who wanted counsel from her. She's had so much on her plate. And this priest would describe kind of the somewhat seemingly overwhelming to do list that she had. I think I had a long to do list. <laughs> um, and she would bring her to do list to the chapel. She would sit with the Lord, and she would help me prioritize what I need to do. And I will do what I can do. And I know that the Lord has told me what is most important to do today. And that is what I'm going to do. And if I don't get it, to the things on the bottom of my to-list, it's because the Lord has told me what I need to do first. And that's something very beautiful. Um when you're overwhelmed and it's something I've tried to incorporate in my life is saying I have a million things I have to do. Let me first take time to pray and what I've learned is God will give you more time if you give him what you if you ask him what you need to do I don't know how it works. He created time and he Somehow makes it work, but if you go to him and you say, This is, I'm overwhelmed. Help me to do this, but give him the time to help you. Don't just try and do it on your own. It's very beautiful. Um, so, Mother Teresa obviously had a big devotion to the Eucharist. I wanted to share uh, a little story with you about how I kind of came to, to grow. Um, in, in my desire for the Eucharist. So, as I said, I went to Catholic school. Not the best formation out there, I don't think. Um, I kind of abstractly understood what the Eucharist was. Jesus, hey, this is like a good thing. Cool. Um, but as I got to Auburn, to Auburn, by the way, more uh, we would have Monday adoration nights. And I was like, okay. And there was some social time afterwards, so I'd go see some people. And I was like, wow, this is, like, really great. I'm going to keep coming to this. And giving God that opportunity to say, to, to kind of get me there and say, I'm going to show you how great this is. I'm going to grow your heart to love the Eucharist and love spending time with me. Um, so it was good. I, all through college, would, would go to the chapel uh, when... Uh, I needed to pray. So my, my last year at Auburn, I was in grad school. I was taking the uh, CPA exam, which is a four-part test. It's pretty difficult, I, I thought. Um, so I, uh, I kind of made the decision that you, know, you take the test and then like a month later, they release the scores at like midnight. So of course you're just like on edge all day, you know, waiting for those scores to drop. I said, you know, I'm. I think I'm going to go check my score at midnight in the chapel in front of the Eucharist. And um, so, for the first two, I did that, um, and I passed my first two. I said, you know, when I check my score, if I pass, I feel like God should be the first person I tell because praying in front of the Eucharist was probably the only reason I got through studying. You know, 14 to 16 hours a day. Uh, for weeks for this test so God should probably get a little credit should be the first one I tell and if I fail I'm, he's probably going to be the only one that can console me in that moment so I did that so the third test I go and I'm like oh, okay um, I go in you know, you know these like testing centers and the lady checking me in was just like really mean to me and I just feel like you're in a bad profession because all these people are taking these tests she was just so mean to me and she ended up making me cry And I ended up crying for a little while, and I was like, okay, well, I just need to, like, go in and take the test. And uh, I was like, once I get going on these questions, I'll, uh, you know, I'll stop crying. But sat down, started with the questions, forgot that I was taking the uh, tax portion of the exam, and those tears weren't letting up, man. Don't know if you've ever uh, done your taxes. It's not fun, and the test isn't fun either, so just kind of compounding. So, by the end of the test, people used to say i have given up a little bit, been crying all day. And, uh, so, you know, when score release day came around, I wasn't super excited to, uh, you know, find out if I presumably failed. So, I remember going to the chapel, I had a couple good friends who said, hey, maybe, uh, let's go get a drink before. I take the end off. That's a good idea. So, we're at the chapel, and, uh I remember just sitting there looking at Jesus. The same chapel that I, I had spent so much time in. And I was like, okay, it's, it's getting close to midnight. and I want to check in. Um, I remember just like looking at God and just seeing his gaze and his love for me. In that moment when I was just like, I know I failed. I know I didn't do what I wanted to do. Just that loving gaze of the Father in the chapel. So important to me. I'm so beautiful. It gave me so much consolation. Uh, But uh, it turns out I ended up passing somehow. (laughs) I don't know how. And I remember just being in disbelief. And I don't think I was in disbelief because I got what I wanted. I was in disbelief because of the love that God had shown me all throughout. He wasn't mad that I cried through the whole thing. Or that I had spent so much of my prayer focused on wanting this one, you know, earthly thing. These earthly successes. And I just said, the Eucharist is real. It finally clicked in my heart that that's really Jesus and that piece of bread. I knew that in my head all along. And even just knowing that, it had allowed God to grow in my love for him. But in that moment, I finally realized that is really Jesus. Like, the Eucharist is real. If you're ever out with me and I get a few drinks in me, you'll probably hear me say the Eucharist is real because it's something I'm always thinking about, but usually I'm just like, it would be weird to say it now. But if you give me a drink or two, I'll just be like, the Eucharist is real! My original plan for this talk was about a three-minute talk on the Eucharist and a 27-minute design expo. So I think I'm going to get a tattoo that says that. So if you uh, – Kathleen, sh- uh, shut that down real quick, um, unfortunately. So uh, the Eucharist is real, guys. So if you, don't, if you don't feel that, just ask God to show you. Ask God to tell you, and he'll show you because he wants you to know. He wants you to believe that in your heart. So one one last important thing I wanted to talk about in this talk is the importance of community and the relationship with God. Um, Anytime uh, I'm on leadership team. Oh, speaking of which, we have monthly adoration hours at the cathedral. It's called Pack the Cathedral. And I'm in charge of it. And you should come. It's really great. It's usually the first Friday of every month. Next month it will be the second one because of Labor Day weekend. But you should come. Um, it's shameless plug. There is no shame about it. I do not feel bad. Um, it really is one of my favorite hours of the month. It's Friday night, eight p.m. We started doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet starting about seven fifty. So you want to get there for that, and then you know we're going to go to Whitehall after. Everyone loves Whitehall. Who doesn't love Whitehall? If you've never been, we're probably going to go tonight too. So you can come. Um. We actually have on the schedule, the team schedule. Inevitable Whitehall run. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is the importance of community. When we anytime leadership team sends out a survey, why, why do you come to events? Why are you here? Why are you on our newsletter? Why do you follow us on Instagram? Genevieve does an amazing job. Of their social media. If you've ever DM'd her, it's Genevieve in the back. Um, everyone, almost everyone says, I want to grow in community. Loving the Lord is amazing and great. It's really, really hard to do if you're the only one in your life who's doing it, right? So even God, or Jesus in the Gospels, also God, Jesus, synonymous, cool. Um, When he has his apostles and he sends them out to evangelize, he sends them out in pairs. He goes, yeah, it's probably not going to go well if you're by yourself. That's something I've learned as well. So I know we had our, we were made for community. God gave us a family to be born into, which is a built, built-in built community, right? Parents are raising you in the faith, right? And supposed to grow together to teach you the faith, to teach you how to love. And um, oftentimes now as young adults, our kind of community becomes our friends or our significant others or something like that. But we were made for community, especially in the Eucharist. The word communion, same word as community. We all come together, not just to be in communion with God, but to be in communion with each other. Right? That's why we all come to Mass. We don't do the live streams, except in a global pandemic. Um, So I know we had time with our prayer partners and our groups earlier. So I really encourage you to stay connected with just at least your prayer partner, if not with your whole small group. you all can get dinner or whatever. But to really foster those relationships and nurture those relationships with people who have the same desire as you to get to heaven. Because it's really, really easy to get off track if we don't have good community, right? Um, It it sucks trying to be a Christian alone. So, um, quick summary, God wants to be with us forever in heaven. Um, our relationship and prayer is how we get there. and we need other people around us who are trying to do the same thing to help us get there, right? To not live in this life trying to get have a relationship with God by ourselves. So we need other people.
1: So we'll just have a quick moment to
0: close in prayer and then uh, Kathleen's somewhere around here. Uh, she's over there. And we're going to close in prayer, and then we'll try and kind of remain quiet after, um, as we kind of lead into adoration. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, just thank you so much for giving us yourself in the form of the Eucharist. Thank you for loving us. I pray, Lord, that we will desire to love you back. Lord, give us this time. Give us the grace during this time to give our hearts to you, to give you our desires, our worries, our sins. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Spirit. Amen. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to Kathleen. Yeah. I don't think she did block- every single thing that happened in the 2030s and the majority of just random things at the cathedral happen because of Kathleen, so if you haven't ever thanked her for everything she does, please do that because every 2030s event, she's just there and eager to help serve, as long as the rest of the leadership team, but Kathleen is our realist leader. See, she's still doing more. She's not even stopping. So, okay. I'm just going to leave my here and you can do whatever. Okay.